0: Welcome back for more from our workshop in the 2021 NICE Project. I think in Tarzan, the notion of civilization is pretty well spelled out in another way. Tarzan's ability to read and write sets him apart from the apes, the African villagers, and even the lower class sailors in the novel. His literacy is what allows him to recognize himself as a human being not an ape it isn't what he looks like he thinks that's weird he doesn't look like the apes but it's really when he becomes literate that he sees he's not an ape um and that there is a there's an alternative label human man you know then he sees himself as a man who is superior to others unlike himself and is this attitude relatable today between say educated and uneducated people I think it is. I think there's a divide between educated and uneducated people from both sides, you know, un- more uneducated people tend to be suspicious of educated people and educated people tend to be suspicious of uneducated people. I mean, you know, this notion of literacy. Um, this book is relevant on that issue, too. Thoughts? <laughs>
1: No, I think you raise a very interesting point that I hadn't really thought of in in phrasing it in those terms. Um, Yeah, I I think that as things like public schooling and things have raised the overall uh, literacy rates quite high, we do kind of presume that if you are not literate, then you must not be smart. When, Mm. in fact, when you look through history... Plenty of people were plenty smart without necessarily having a high degree of literacy. You know, maybe they mm-hmm. knew their letters, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. But you, you could not be an idiot and survive. Right, In the past. <laughs> life was too hard. You had to, to do certain skills to be able to survive. Right. I do now now I socially, think it's a, it's more
0: about education than than literal literacy. I would say I do
1: agree with you that um, socially I think that we do kind of have what is perceived as being that you know Niles Kramer and Fraser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good example. 80s, I know things and mm-hmm. I taste wine. Mm-hmm. And, and no offense to you, Deborah, because you are a fine taster of wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah. versus the, you know, I'm the, I'm the salt of the earth, you know, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. character. And yeah, I think there's an unnecessary divide at times. Yeah. And I, I, think it's I don't forced by uh, different TV and media.
0: Yeah. I I am not by any means supporting the divide or or encouraging it. I, I agree. I think that um, my, I was just trying to point out that this is, you know, again, like you said, in TV and media, this is a book that for generations has kind of perpetuated that, Uh, that division in a way that the in the book the uneducated characters like the white sailors for example uh, the lower classes you know they are not as they are not thought of in this book in the same way as the educated white wealthy people in the book and I feel like that is a similar thing that we see still playing out today among educated and uneducated groups of people. I mean, the difference between, uh, you know, how some people would view a college graduate as opposed to someone who, who stops their education after graduating from high school, um, you know, we still have those kind of divisions and those kind of like um, preconceived notions about what that means or what it represents and i'm not i'm not saying that's good or right i'm saying that's i'm aware that it exists and and i feel like this book kind of has that those elements in it um you know the the another thing that i think is in this book is that's i i I, this is probably going way out on a limb but if you think about we were talking about Edgar Rice Burroughs being American, you know, of of English extraction, but American. And you know, one of the most controversial things in the history of America is this notion of, uh, you know, oh God, how do I say it? Like def- having the right to defend your home, your property, your your person. You know, stand your uh, ground. Yeah, you know, it's it's the right to carry, you know, a gun or you know to protect yourself. constitutional rights yeah but Mm -hmm. sometimes those have been twisted and certainly not they're not always equitable shall i say not everybody has seems to have the same rights even when we're all supposed to the you know the law treats people differently depending on their education their race their wealth you know i mean we there's a lot of problematic stuff about our constitutional rights sometimes but think about this Tarzan is the like the epitome of defending his corner of civilization uh you know there there's at least one or two scenes in the book where he defends the treehouse, his parents home if you will he's defending his little corner of civilization from whatever savages are trying to destroy it and it's First, um, there are animals that you know. There are jungle animals that attack the treehouse. The apes attack the treehouse. The 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 low class uh, white sailors attack the treehouse. I mean, you know, this kind of reflects that early twentieth century American attitude, right? And and it's it's not even early twentieth century. Right? It's just kind of just American attitude over the decades and generations that you know that's that's your responsibility as the man of the house if you will to to protect um protect your property as a were. the the thing that struck me about the book is that in the in the early 20th century as darker skinned immigrants were flooding the country especially in urban areas white Americans a lot of white American males especially feared that their culture would be destroyed by newcomers newcomers who did not understand or care about it and you know the suburbs were born out of those times and they tried to de- protect the suburbs in the same way that Tarzan tries to protect his home keep out bad bad things you know I mean it's just it, it there's so much in this book that really you know just struck me as modern issues are are I don't want to say reflected in this book but it's like did this book help create some of those problems i don't know you know but the popularity of the nra and guns as defensive property um and representing freedom that that's you know that even the january 6th insurrection and attack on the capitol building was you know the the majority of those people you know somewhere in their minds firmly believed they were they were protecting something they believe in i i don't believe what they believe and i don't support that insurrection and the attack but i can see that similarity of thought process in in what you know has come out in the media as their reasoning and everything and some of the kind of issues that come up in this book it's just it's it's bizarre that this weird little book from 1912 that i've always had in my life in this kind of special you know way with my dad and and his his enjoyment of it and and just he just loved tree houses you know it, it's now I'm thinking about it in whole new ways that are just so unpleasant <laughs> does that make sense
1: <laughs> and as mothers we are the lion lioness protecting our cubs I mean that's just we're Kala
0: the she-ape right we're Kala you know, we're just,
1: it's just human nature to protect your your home and your hearth
0: yeah i think that's true i think tarzan the manly man does in a sense you know represent you know that that kind of instinctual protective part of all humanity whether it's male or female Um, which kind of brings me to gender roles and norms and sexuality got to talk about this real quick um in a sense tarzan's character um Is the manly manly man right but he also displays behavior that's outside of the confines if you will of traditional manhood he rescues um two two people mainly in this book darno and jane he rescues um darno from the african tribe he rescues jane from um well you know the ape kerchak or terzak sorry and many in the actual writing Burroughs used many of the same phrases and words describing both situations. They're they're almost like mirror uh, scenes, if you will, um, as far as the language used when he wrote those passages. I already mentioned that Darno later uh, supports the reluctant Tarzan financially. I say reluctant Tarzan because there is uh, at least one passage in the book where he kind of demurs and doesn't want to accept Darno paying for everything. But Tarzan has no money. I mean, he has, he has a hunting knife. He doesn't even have clothes for civilization, right? And Darno is wealthy and he is paying for everything. Um, and that is a kind of a similar to the monetary motivation for marriage, which Jane goes through, when uh she is she two people ask her to marry ask her to marry them the first is this kind of gross rich guy that her father owes money to and she feels you know she's going to have to marry him to basically erase her father's debt and then the second one is william cecil clayton he's very wealthy because he's inherited it's actually Tarzan's inheritance, but, um, you know, she has a financial motivation when she's looking at marriages. Again, 1912, uh, women, that was a huge part of who you married for a woman, you know, were they wealthy? Could they take care of you? And potentially your parents, your extended family. Um, So there's a lot of similar language used when Burroughs writes about these different these these two characters Darno and Jane and their relationships with Tarzan there's a lot of similar language used so here's my question and I ask this question because it's been debated for decades in academia and chat rooms and everywhere uh, where anybody was willing to talk about Tarzan do we think that Burroughs intentionally or unintentionally put some homosexual, latent homosexual qualities into Tarzan, the character, and the books? Could Tarzan unconsciously feel a homosexual desire for Darno despite his apparent attraction for Jane? And is Darno's treatment of Tarzan like that of a kept man or paid sexual partner? Thoughts on the gender roles and norms and sexuality in the book?
1: I, in reading the book, did not get that. Maybe (laughs) I would have if I were, you know, gay myself. But what I did definitely get is that Burroughs felt a homoerotic attraction for Tarzan.
0: I love it so he, loved this- his, he loved his own character so much well yeah if you read oh, the yeah. descriptions of his physical of tarzan's physical self yeah it's like okay the, this burroughs guy has got a thing for tarzan his own well, creation
1: i think it's much in the same way as you know in ancient greece which we know did practice yes. male mm-hmm. homosexuality mm-hmm. and it was quite widespread and accepted mm-hmm. um we we see you know just that worship of the male athletic form yes and so mm-hmm. beautiful and so powerful mm-hmm. that's the sense i get from burroughs in describing mm-hmm. his creation tarzan
0: darno's older than tarzan yes he is he is acting paternalistic towards him in a way he wants mm-hmm. him he want he truly wants to help him he wants to pay for whatever needs to be paid for so that tarzan can then lived the life he should have lived had his parents not been marooned on you know coastal Africa so um that's that's my interpretation of their relationship but i can see and i do understand um, some of the other uh, critiques of the relationship that have come out over the years come come out right. that was a very bad pun <laughs> and, it
1: and i think that were i part of the LGBTQA plus community mm-hmm. i would be more tuned into coding yeah you know, mm-hmm. because I know that historically definitely at the time Burroughs was writing that would be something that if you were to talk about it in your art it would definitely it would be Cody under the radar yeah. mm-hmm. I yeah. maybe that's why I don't pick up on it but maybe somebody else who works that's probably it true for me that. too
0: yeah join us next time as we continue with our workshop discussion for the 2021 NICE project